morning, good afternoon, good evening. <laughs> My voice kind of, sounds kind of weird because it is in the morning here in this present day of August the 9th, 2019. But yeah, I wanted to talk today about um, growing up in the 80s. I was born in the 78. 1978, that's my, the year I was born, and uh, just wanted to talk about how this whole journey between now and then, it's been a very great awakening, and I thank God for that, I thank God for all the things he's given me from waking up moments to the bad moments in my life, the dark moments, moments of anxiety, moments of, you know, depression, I guess you can call it that. I mean, I, overall, I lived a really happy life. I've lived a very happy life. I mean, I have, I have great parents, have a great family support system. But even sometimes, even having all of that, you still have a little bit of, depending on how you see yourself, you might see yourself in a dark light or darkness. So I get, my, my talk for today is going to be consisting of who you are and who you think you are. So being born in 1978, I was born in the era where there was a lot of transition know from transition from a phonological society meaning that uh, the, the technology that was out there is barely evolving into the cassette tapes I'm talking about technology in the music I'm, I'm gonna take it there first I mean I'm explaining why so I was going for vinyl records which was a uh, 12 inch in the 45s for those who don't know so the, like the 12 inches, like the, the one that you play in your regular vinyl player. And then there's a 45, which is a smaller type of disc, but it's still played in the vinyl player. And there was tapes, you know, tapes, which, I mean, uh, not tapes, uh, eight track. They were, you know, bouncing back and forth between those two. And then the tapes and the cassettes came in, which is the the ones we saw in the 80s and 90s very popular then those were transformed into CDs and CDs were very popular for the longest time up into the late 90s and early 2000s and then they, the digital format of music downloading started coming around and then that took a big toll on the whole CD, uh, kind of like the way cassettes and did to vinyl, and and uh, that's the way it happened. Like everything started to evolve, and at the same time, older technology take a back step. So <clears throat> within this time change of, of information exchange, where information is getting faster. And uh, people are adapting to new technologies. Within this time, also the governments and, you know, all over the world are the main contributors to these technologies. 
they're the ones that are either passing it down to the people, allowing the people to use these technologies, or, you know, taking advantage of limited access to these technologies. And the reason I'm talking about that is because it has a big impact on the influence. It's like the speed of, of information, how it travels because it and um, before recorded music existed the only way you can listen to music was if you saw it perform live and once they once the society started figuring out that you could record information and then send it out and distribute then that was a game changer for a lot of people who wanted to influence because the main people who learn about influential ideas and I'm not talking about just like the great ideas. I'm also talking about dark energy. At one point in their lives, they're like, oh, wait. This is a new way to transfer information to the masses. And it could be good or it could be bad, you know? And it's a double-edged sword like all the technologies that exist at the moment. They're double-edged swords. So... Where I'm going with this is that uh, the governments and the people who knew about influential transformation. Since I was raised in the 80s, but I was born in the 70s, I didn't have that much impact. I was 78 and 79. I was just a, a newborn, and then I was an infant, toddler. I did get some information from that era, but it was on a on an analog scale, and then also for my uh, my surroundings, which was, I was born in Chicago, Illinois, and my mom and dad, they basically spoke Spanish to me for my first two years of life, and maybe some English, but very, very seldom, I guess, or very rarely. And then, for the most part, mm, a lot of the televisions that we had in that time, in that era, like if I was, if you're looking at from a, what's in my ear during that those first two years of life and it's basically radio not that much television i remember my parents would listen to their uh because their tape decks or whatever i think they had a little bit of vinyl but it wasn't that much but i remember they had a vinyl player and also they also had a you know uh and i don't remember per se because i see the pictures not because i remember them like or i could probably go into my subconscious mind and reach that information but um, I feel that during those two years, there was more music than television. And if there was television, it was very limited. Back in the 70s and 80s, we probably had like one television per household. The televisions were pretty like low tech. They had like maybe 10 or 13 channels. You had to actually walk up to the television, push a button or twist a knob to get a different channel compared to nowadays in 2019 where like you're actually you know you have a whole gang of social media streams and and types of different types of digital cable or internet on your television where you can just get up not even get up just say something like hey alexa play this set of uh, music videos and boom there it is or search for this specific movie and then all of a sudden Alexa or Siri or Google gives you a, a whole set of movies. So 
where I'm going at, and, and this is why I'm describing the setting because I'm I'm going back to well, who you are, and why do you think you are that person? For the longest time, uh, growing up with a big influence in music, the music my parents would listen to was um, usually romantic music and very melodic music, harmonizing music. It was Spanish. And I can remember the names of the bands slightly. Uh, I think it was uh, Los Bukis. That's the name that rings the best in my ear, in my mind. And there, there could be other ones. And also Leo Dan. Leo Dan. Dan. Or Dan. Leo Dan. If you translate it into English. Those two artists were uh, very, very uh, highly played during my life. In my early early years of life, so where I'm going at is that I have very limited television exposure, and if I did, it was just like you know eight to ten channels. You had to actually get up. I remember getting up and pushing buttons to change the channel, or twisting a knob to change the channel, fixing the antenna to get a channel or two, and there was. VHS and beta players, another change in technology. The beta, the beta was like a small VHS, and then the VHS player, which is like the one we normally see from the 80s all the way to 2000s. That was the way we would watch movies. And watching movies was also every so often. It wasn't like an everyday thing. Not like, like, not like in the days of right now where you just get home and you watch Netflix and you watch movie after movie or you can binge a whole season. We didn't have that technology. My shows when I was growing up were like, uh, that I remember growing up, like maybe like Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> that sounds crazy, Leave it to Beaver. Also, um, what's the other show? Like the Batman, you know, like the ni- 1960s Batman. Um, Spider-Man cartoons, He-Man. No, He-Man was a little bit older. I was a little bit older, but still, like He-Man, GI Joe, Transformers. But early, early in my life, it was like uh, I think Leave It to Beaver. Um, like shows like that, they were black and white. Oh, and The Lone Ranger. So we couldn't binge watch a whole season of The Lone Ranger. That's what I'm getting at. We had to wait a specific day, a specific hour, like the Batman show would tell you, same channel, I mean, same bat time, same bat channel. So they really meant that, like, we're not, they're not going to be back until further production is happening and recordings, and then we distribute. They were practically saying that. And now in 2019, it's crazy how uh, it's just a matter of, couple of pushing buttons and you have a whole series of episodes to your disposal of a certain um, sitcom cer- certain show a movie you know you can watch Matrix 1 part 2 part 3 part 4 or whatever you can watch the Terminator most of them all back to back and we, we kind of did have that technology in the sense that you could rent VHS and but you had to physically go go to a store or to uh, some place where they rented out VHS.
players and the VHS uh, films. So just thinking about that, um, you start thinking about like if you get back into the who you are, right? You have more exposure now to different types of information. And it could be factual and it can be fictional as well. But it's still influential. Anything you do see or watch or hear is influential in a certain degree. It makes you think in certain ways. Makes you feel in certain ways. So where I'm going at is that I remember not having, um, you know, I guess like a gadget, right? I remember, I don't, I don't, we didn't have a gadgets like the way they do now. And I would play with my, my, my cousins or my friends outside. And I had a big wheel. I was very physically active all the time. It was to the point where the looking to go outside was like the number one way to be entertained. And television was maybe like a good, um, maybe once a day, once a week, maybe like once a day, maybe like 20 to 30 minutes. And then I was outside all day to the wee hours of the day. Like this is before people would kidnap kids and shit in Chicago. <laughs> I remember in Laredo as well, like being in Laredo, being up to like really late at night or not late at night, like staying up outside and playing with my cousins and stuff. Like, and my parents not caring, not that they didn't care, just they knew we were safe and they knew we were going to be back at a certain time and we're around the neighborhood and stuff. But what happens is that as television, you know, keeps on getting more power and, and cable getting more, uh, I guess, uh, access to different homes and homes getting, instead of one television, there's two televisions now. Those changes in, in and like I was saying, um, kind of lost my train of thought there because it's been like almost an hour since I was recording. <laughs> but yes, um, I would watch shows and. And speaking about influence, um, I think for the longest time, I felt like uh, my mom would tell me that at a very young age, I was all into the army, like the army was my thing. I wanted to be a soldier. And I was like, where did I get that influence? Where did I get that inspiration to become a soldier? Like since I was very young and had a military influence in my in my. Uh, in my mind state and the only thing I think of is G.I. Joe like G.I. Joe was a big part of my upbringing I would watch that cartoon all the time and I was like yeah I want to fight the bad guys and I would watch war movies and I was like yeah I want to be the 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 military guy you know like the guy who joins the army so I imagine that there was millions of kids all over across the United States that were brainwashed in that same I mean not brainwashed to that point but that felt the same way and I say brainwashed because I mean ultimately that's probably what happens <laughs> with the, the spreading of information in that type of uh, 
atmosphere where it's available at certain times and the influx of information is controlled by one specific party. So, and not reading at a very young age and not, and then not having the, you know, like now that there's like YouTube videos teaching you stuff and like ABCs and all that stuff and the numbers and the colors and the shapes. It's really like waiting until you get to school to start your, your uh, you know, information of what the process that and the system, what was controlled through through the education system, like the information that they control and the books that they share with us. So in that... And that state of mind, um, you start thinking, like, how is it possible who you think you are is highly influenced by the surroundings in your environment and also I mean also not not only your your parents I mean your parents have a very big um, you know say in who you are because they do I mean automatically pass DNA that's in their genes and in your genes as well and DNA that they carry from many many years to your DNA so your genetic code is very unique, but then exposure to the information that's around you has a big influence on who you are as well, or traumas or traumatic experiences. Also, I feel like in the 80s and um, how there was a lot of cartoons who that would play a lot of like perversion, you know, like make you think about sexuality. I remember Bugs Bunny, one of my favorite cartoons, right? Like, he would uh, always be in love, you know, and the skunk, I forgot his name, Pepe Le Pew, he was always in love, and he was looking, look, always looking for the hot chick, you know, and, and Bugs Bunny as well, he always had the hot chick. And this is a baby, you know, me as a kid, like, looking at these, and it creates thoughts of, you know, and they're natural. They're natural thoughts, but at the same time, they're not... We're being influenced by a cartoon, you know? Like, to have, have emotions about the sex, you know, about the other partners or the people in, in the other sexuality, you know? Like, the the females against males and males against females. Like, they're having uh, thoughts and feelings about, oh, like, Bugs Bunny likes beautiful Bugs Bunny girls, <laughs> you know? So at a very young age, you get exposed to, we were being exposed to sexuality. And I think that's kind of like been overwatched now. Like they, people are hawking over that and it's not as, I mean, it's still everywhere. You watch cartoons about princesses in like the Cinderella's and all those freaking cartoons and movies. And they all include a little bit of sexuality in them. And it's kind of like, oh man, in your face at a very young age. So you have to be, you have to be careful, you know. Like, I think for myself, I was, uh, you know, highly influenced by these type of imagery, and and um, it plays a, a major role in the way you, you know you think, you know, who you are. 
because you start diving into ideas that are implanted in your mind. And if you're not aware of that situation, then at a very young age, you cannot distinguish between right and wrong. You're just ingesting all this information and then it becomes a part of you. It's like, uh, let's program all these computers in one day and let's see what happens, you know? Like, they just have the same program. And that's why um, when I started learning about, you know, influence and, you know, I would look up into brainwashing, what did that meant, what that meant, and how does that happen, or how can it happen? And the whole, the whole, uh, wordplay that they use you know for pro this local programming this cable programming when they say programming why why do they call it programming you know like why is it a program it's when you program something this it means that you are instilling information into some type of you know source for or giving information to a source so, in what I'm trying to get at is that uh, I feel since I would, you know, I was exposed to very limited TV, but whenever, whenever I would see TV, it was, you know, uh, short term time entertainment, but it still instilled a lot of ideas into me. Like, wanted to be a soldier, learning how to. Or trying to be like Bruce Lee, you know. I was a Bruce Lee fan when I was a young kid. My dad would rent movies, uh, Bruce Lee movies, and I would try to imitate him. Um, you know, all these, you know, cable uh, programming. I remember really age, at a young age, I was uh, into, like, The Price is Right, you know, Bozo the Clown. Um. A lot, of, a lot of TV shows that I would sit down and watch, but it was just temporary. And I feel like as we got older, there was more and more options to choose. And I remember at a very young age watching like sports, you know, uh, getting into basketball, the NBA. And when I started getting into the NBA, I would notice that they would play a lot of Budweiser and beer commercials. Like, why, why do they show beer? Like, being, I mean, talking about from a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, I mean, why do they show a lot of beer commercials? And my dad, I mean, he would drink, but he wasn't like a like a freaking drinker. He would rarely drink. I remember him drinking every once in a while. I, w- I remember when he would play soccer, he would drink beer, but out throughout the days and throughout the weeks, there was hardly ever beer in the house. And But I remember watching the videos or the commercials, and every, every time a uh, you know, they were going to break, commercial break, the the beer commercials would pop, like Miller and Bud Light and Budweiser. And I was like, well, what, what's, the, what's the big deal about beer and sports? You know, like, it doesn't make sense. Why are they showing beer in a, in a basketball game? Like, trying to be healthier or whatever, right? And now, now I'm in my 40s and in my 30s, because I, I didn't really like beer until, like, I was, like, early 20s like, I didn't like beer at all like it was something that I hated you know just the and now I can't seem 
I seen that I have to drink a beer every time I watch a sport event. You know, whenever I go to a game out there and and like watch the Cubs against the Astros, I'm drinking my beer. If I'm watching a, bit, a baseball game or watching a ba- basketball game, there's always beer included. So it's kind of strange how now we're uh, these young kids are that were once exposed to this information are now, you know, consuming that information and, and living it. So it's part of the program. So I'm making different points on how television, you know, so or media, social media, any kind of media, books, magazines, videos, television programming, how it all influences who you are. Religion, you know. Um, and I remember growing up in the 90s, being more into the you know, sports scene, like on television. And then the music was what really drove me into like entertainment. Like that's what consumed most of my entertainment at that point. I was not reading at all. If I was, it was only like magazines, like The Source, which is a hip hop magazine. And um, bad coffee, by the way. Bought some coffee here at Stripes. It sucks. Alright. So when I was getting into the music scene, like uh like listening to hip hop was my number one go to music type of music. And I love hip hop. Hip hop has been like a double edged sword as well. It has a lot of good and a lot of bad too, but I was more into the good at first, you know, I was really like, just a nice, uh, not too controversial hip hop, you know, like the Mickey Mouse rhymers and stuff like that. Not the Mickey Mouse per se, but just like, it was, you know, like, I remember going to Musicland, for y'all, for all who know Musicland is, shout out to Musicland. I would, me and my brother Rick, we would go there and they were like, okay, what do we buy since we don't know too much about hip-hop? So the first purchase we ever made was hip-hop's greatest artist or something like that. Or something like that. It wasn't, maybe that wasn't the title, but it was something like that where, like, the top rappers of that era, and it was, like, 88, 87. So we bought the tape and we started listening to it. And there was a bunch of rappers like MC Shan, um, just a lot of weird names. I, honestly, I can't remember all their names, but the, a lot of the names were like, "What these? Who are these rappers?" And one of the rappers that I do remember was Run DMC. Run DMC had the single "Tougher Than Leather" on that actual tape. And man, my brother and I loved that song. We actually we we kind of learned all the lyrics, and um, we would sing along with it. It was our favorite song for a while. So Run DMC was like heavily, you know, influential in our musical upbringing at one point in 87, 88. But as the years went by, you know, I started diving into different types of music. Like, I mean, yeah, obviously different types of music, but also different types of hip hop. And 
you know, it went from there to like to like the Kumo D, um, Hammer, like MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, <laughs> stupid, but it was still cool. Uh, and the, all of this information was getting passed down to us by MTV. So MTV was a major player and influence in the childhood scene, in the, in the teenage view of what was going on with a lot of teenagers there. And from there, it went from Cyp- to like Cypress Hill, um, and then Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, N.W.A., Actually, N.W.A., then Dr. Dre, Ice Cube. And then during this era, I was still listening to a lot of East Coast rap, but I was listening to a lot of hip-hop, you know. And it started becoming more and more... uh, uh, It wasn't hip-hop anymore, because I remember, like, De La Soul and Chocolate Quest, and their hip-hop was way different from the hip-hop that was starting to change my mind about music you know it's like gangster rap but it wasn't even called gangster rap i mean yeah i like it was just hardcore rap to me it was like oh that's hardcore like this, those dudes are talking about like shit that happens in their life you know killing and robbing and stealing all that shit so that right there if you can if you look at the the wordplay you know influence I was just a part of the million people or millions of kids that were being influenced to believe a certain thing, you know, to believe in a certain way. So I'm going to stop right there because I'm, I need to do something real quick, but I'm going to come back and, and then wrap it up. Peace out.